Hello and welcome to episode 125 of Chell Squared. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney, and a great conversation heading your way today. It's been a minute since the last episode. I think the last one was in late October. I am I'm genuinely really sorry about that. Stepped away from the mic for a little bit, but I am so excited to be back on the show. Cannot wait to get the ball rolling. And we also have an amazing guest joining us today at Chell Squared on Twitter and at Chelney Andrew. Andrew as well, at Chell Squared on Facebook. Give the show that shiny five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews, the more likely the show is to get recommended by the algorithm. We're back to being a weekly show, so subscribe now for the best hockey podcast in town. Chell Squared is a part of the Hockey Podcast Network, and though I'm a full-time associate producer, at SiriusXM NBA Radio, this podcast is not affiliated with the company in any way. The opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone and may or may not reflect the views of SiriusXM. Joining Cho Squared today is a legend, a friend of the show, been way, way too long since he's been on, just over two years since the Syracuse legend himself was last on the show. Just ridiculous, but he breaks that streak now. He's your voice of the Philadelphia Flyers. It is the great Jim Jackson. Jim, what's up? Welcome back. I'm glad to be back. I, I had not counted the days as you had, but uh, if it's been two years, that means I was on here right about uh, right, right just before our, our lives all changed. Right? So. Yeah, there's a lot. A lot has changed. A lot has definitely changed in the last two years. Uh, but let's start here with the elephant in the room. The Flyers have not won a game since December 29th. 2021 against the Kraken. They are 0-10-3 since then. The LA Kings come to town tomorrow. If the Flyers lose, they will go an entire calendar month without winning a hockey game. Jim, through your perspective, what has led to the team being in this spot? So I guess now that your first question, your second one, now that I think about it, Maybe it takes the Flyers to, to lose 13 in a row for you to have me on. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's why I'm here. Uh, but, uh, boy, I mean, it's, it's kind of a Murphy's Law, um, and it might be an elephant in the room for you, but I've been talking about nothing but this for about the last two weeks. So uh, it, it's right out there, and obviously in Philadelphia, you don't go through a streak like this without uh, uh, having some fans to speak up and have the media really uh, talk about it. And it's the streak talk about it. It's the longest sprint, uh, losing streak or winless streak if the NHL had their way. That's what we'd call it. Uh, it's the longest one in franchise history, so you're, you're obviously going to talk about it. Why did it happen or why has it happened since it's still ongoing? Um, <laughs> it, it actually started pretty much uh, with the Flyers getting hit with COVID. Um, and they, they had to play several games. I don't think, quite frankly, they should have played. Uh, one was against Pittsburgh, where the Penguins had zero players out with COVID, and the Flyers had six and plus about seven other injured guys. And it was uh, an AHL lineup they had to put out there on the ice. So uh, there were a couple of games I think that the league could have postponed. They've certainly postponed other games with teams with fewer players out. So uh, to me, it wasn't a real good situation. And that's really when it started. Now, that's not an excuse by any means, because they've had a lot of chances to break the streak since with the players back from COVID. But that, as I recall, is kind of how it started. Because Mike Yo had taken over for Elaine Vigneault, and the team had gone on a little bit of a run, seven games in a row with a point. And, and then they lost a couple at the end of a West Coast trip, and then COVID hit as soon as they got back home. 
Uh, so if this streak reached four or five games, they were just starting to get the players back. Uh, but even as they got players back, they were losing players with injuries. And as we speak right now, they have 10 players that are not available to them. And we're not talking about uh, all third and fourth line guys or five and six defensemen. We're talking about Sean Couturier, Ryan Ellis, Kevin Hayes, Joel Farabee. We're talking about players who are playing big roles on this team. And five centers, five centers are injured right now. So it, the injuries have piled up. Uh, you, so you throw COVID on top of the injuries, on top of the fact that they had a new coach, they're trying to get a new system, and it's just added up to a whole bunch of losses. Uh, they have not been able to come up with plays in the third period. They've been tied in the third period of over half of the game. So they've had a chance to, to win a lot of these games and just haven't been able to make the play to do it. Uh, I, I think it's probably going to come to an end pretty soon, maybe even tomorrow. I think they're showing signs of, of busting out, but they're still a really banged up team. So whenever they go out there without those players I mentioned earlier, you know, they're, they're not at full strength and won't be probably for the rest of the year. So it's, it's going to be a struggle for them, but we'll see. Uh, I, there have been signs they're playing a little bit better, but uh, they've got to find ways to win games in the third period as opposed to losing them. And you mentioned this here, and I want to highlight that there's a lot, there's so many injuries on this team and not just, you know, fourth liners or people that are just filling in. These are kept, you got Kevin Hayes, you got Ryan Ellis, you got Sean Couturier. They're all on IR. This, these are, these are guys that you can't just plug and play with other players with. These are top talent that is very difficult to replace on for one game, let alone for, for a long stretch of time. But Jim, do you think that this team started to kind of lose itself after these injuries or were the holes starting to appear and there were signs of this potentially uh, earlier on in the season? I can't tell you. They haven't been healthy. They've never been healthy this year. Kevin Hayes was out at the start of the season. Ryan Ellis got hurt in the final preseason game and Sean Couturier got injured very early in the season and all he played through it for a while. He was a shell of himself. So they, they really haven't had those three key players they had him in the lineup for one game. That was Hayes' first game. Ellis coming back, trying to come back after missing several, and then he went right back on IR after that game. And Couturier was already injured at that point, but playing hurt. So they really haven't. We haven't seen the team as Chuck Fletcher constructed it. Um, I, I can't tell you. I can't give you an answer of where that is. I can go back to last year and say that last year they didn't play well, but you know they went out in the offseason and acquired Ellis and acquired Cam Atkinson and acquired Erasmus Ristolainen and some other players, uh, Derek Broussard and others, that were going to play rules on this team. Uh, so I don't think it's fair to compare this year's team with last year's. Um, and also last year was so weird with, with a shortened season and no fans for a long time. And it's hard to even compare anything to last year. So, you know, I go back two years ago, since uh, I was last on the show, and uh, I, I, you know, the Flyers from mid-November – of 2019 to the pause in March of 2020, we're tied with the second best record in, in the NHL. That's not a streak. That's five months of really good hockey. So that was the team now. Obviously, a bunch has changed. The coach has changed, and they made a bunch of moves this last offseason. But the core of the team was one of the better teams. And they weren't there by fluke. They were, they were out possessing teams. They were out shooting teams. They were, so, you know, it was there. And then they came back into the bubble, and they, they won the round robin, got to the top seed, and they won a round and lost in seven games in the second round. So at that point, everything seemed fine. They got up to a decent start last year. They weren't really playing well. It was really you know, goaltending and just some fortunate bounces. And they, they put 
they did get off to a good start record-wise last year, and then it just all came crumbling down. COVID hit. They uh, just never got their mojo back. The goaltending collapsed, and you know the team ended up uh, having a, a tough year, which led to the changes. So there's the, the history. But bottom line is, I didn't see cracks because I never saw this team as as Chuck Fletcher envisioned it. They they never got a chance because of the injuries. So I'm not going to say the injuries are the only reason. Um, when they were at least relatively healthy, at least had not in double figures and guys missing, um, they were not uh, a dominant team by any stretch. But Ryan Ellis was going to be such an important piece to this team. For him not to even get a chance, he's played four games. He played the first three games of the season. But he was already injured. He injured himself in the last preseason game. And then he came back uh, for that one game in Dallas where all three of those guys played together, and then that was it. Um, to not have him basically all year, to not really have Kevin Hayes all year. He came back from his core muscle surgery, but he just couldn't. It was it was painfully obvious that you know, he was still laboring. Um, so they really haven't had even close to a Kevin Hayes this year. And Charlie Couturier was injured early on in the year, played through it, but really uh, probably three or four games into the year he was injured. He wasn't even close to the Sean Couturier we've known. And now he, of course, has been shut down. So I, I can't give you an answer to that question because they just haven't been even close to whole all year. Um, and my guess is they obviously wouldn't be a perfect team, but I think if you if you put those three at, at healthy, healthy Ellis, healthy Hayes, healthy Couturier, this team's still in the playoff hunt, in my opinion. You mentioned the core of the team and the biggest piece of the core, and he's been in the in the rumors now for a little bit, is Claude Giroux. The Flyers have pretty much said they're going to do whatever Claude wants to do. He's been an incredible talent, even better leader for the Flyers for a very long time, and obviously I'm sure it's going to be a difficult decision for him either way. Giroux is 34 years old. Jim, I know you're not in the GM room, but from your own perspective, do you think Claude Giroux will be traded before the trade deadline? Well, I would have to be a mind reader to know the answer to that question, uh, because as you said, it really is in Claude's court. Um, he is a no-move part of his deal, so if he wants to stay here for the remainder of this year um, and then negotiate to come back as a free agent next year, he can. Um, and I know if this team were even close to a playoff spot, if there was a chance of a playoff spot, that he would opt to stay here because he's basically been orange and black his entire career, and he's really poured everything into that. So uh, I, I don't get a chance in this COVID world to chat with Claude as much as I used to. Uh, so I, I can't tell you I've had any conversation with him that I could give you an idea of which way he's thinking. I can only guess. Um, and my guess is that he does want to win a Stanley Cup and that he's probably not going to win a Stanley Cup with the Flyers this year. Uh, my guess also is that he's well aware that he could leave this year and come back uh, and sign next year, which we don't see that happen a whole lot, although the option is there. He's one restricted free agent at the end of the year. And he can get a kick at the can with some contender. Um, you know, they, they trade him this year. Uh, how important is that to him, or is it more important to him to play his entire career with the Flyers? I don't know the answer to those questions. I would have a better idea if I had a chance to you know, do a one-on-one -on -one chat with, with Claude, but those days uh, haven't been around for a couple of years. We, we don't get that kind of access with the players anymore, so um, I can't give you an answer to that one either. My guess is that uh, because this thing has gone so far off the tracks in terms of wins and losses, that he's at least considering waiving the no-move, where I don't, whereas if you had asked me this question two months ago, I would have said I don't think he'll waive it, but uh, now the thing, obviously, playoffs are... Uh, 
really out of reach for the Flyers. I know it's only halfway through the year, but uh, the the Eastern Conference, the top eight, have kind of pulled away. So uh, with that, no chance of the playoffs this year for the team. Uh, You know, maybe he's reconsidering. Uh, I think it's in his in his blood not to do it, but I think he probably is looking at the situation and saying maybe I kind of have to at least give myself a chance to win the cup this year. But that doesn't mean that he'll be gone forever. As I said, he could come back and negotiate. But let's be frank. As you said, he's 34. Uh, and his cap hit, he's going to have to take a, a pretty big uh, cut, I think, to, to fit in to the Flyers' plans. They're going to probably be going younger. And uh, so, yeah, his future as a flyer is in doubt at this point. For this year, it's all in his hands. And then after that, it's kind of a mutual thing. For sure. And I'm talking to Jim Jackson, the voice of the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, and Elaine Vigneault was let go earlier on in the season. And Mike Yo slid over from his assistant spot to, to, the, to being the top guy. The Flyers have committed to Yo for the rest of the year. And they've showed that by adding John Torchetti, the assistant coach roster. Jim, what have you seen in the differences in the Flyers before and after the coaching change? Again, you know, it's really tough to, to judge anything that's happened under Mike Yo. Here, here's what's happened for Mike Yo. He took over as head coach in game two of a stretch where the team played five games in seven nights, which you don't usually see in the NHL. And they basically had no practice time at all and was thrown into the breach and the team lost a couple more games. He, they finally did win. Uh, I think he lost the first two he coached and then and then they started and then went on that, that uh, 5-0-2 run that we talked about. So it seemed like he was having a positive effect at that point um, because he finally got a little practice time, a couple practices at least. Then the holiday break happens, and then they go out west. They win the first game out there, beat Seattle, uh, lose in overtime, I believe, in the next game. And that was actually you know the beginning of, of uh, the streak they're in now. And, you know, COVID then hit right as soon as they got home from that trip. And they, they have 10 players out. So I don't know how you make any evaluation of Mike Gill. He went from having to try to take over a team within one of the busiest stretches of the season to finally getting the team to start to, to win some games and play a little bit better to having a, a Christmas break followed by a road trip in which they lost a couple at the end, but then COVID hits as soon as they get home. And some games that, as we said earlier, they probably shouldn't have even played. Start to get the COVID players back, but then players drop like one by one with injuries and some were already out. Um, so it's, it's really tough. I mean, he's a very intelligent guy. He's obviously an experienced coach. He's, he's taken over a team before midseason and did very well with that in St. Louis. But uh, it, it's really difficult to judge him given all the circumstances that have been around him. Now he's finally going to get some practice time. Now uh, the Flyers did not have as many games postponed as others. So this, what used to be the Olympic break is going to feature five or six games for them as opposed to some teams that are going to be so busy. So I think he's going to have some significant practice time now, hopefully get at least some players back. I don't think some of the big names we talked about earlier are coming back anytime soon, but but, uh, therapy could be coming back. And then some of the other uh, depth players could be coming back. uh, And we'll see as to, you know, how much that helps. But I, I think just having time to work with the club to institute any changes he might be trying to make from, only being your system will be beneficial. Carter Hart. Now, 
going to the the goalie spots here might not have a phenomenal record as the Flyers don't either. But for all intents and purposes, Carter Hart has had a much better season in net than he did a year ago. Martin Jones isn't lifting the load for him by any means. Uh, Jones has been struggling. Jim, what are you seeing out of Hart? And do you feel that under the right situation with a team that, you know, isn't losing 13 in a row, that Carter Hart could be a top 10 or maybe even a top five goalie in the NHL? I certainly has the potential to do that. Uh, Carter's learning. He's young. Um, We kind of forget that. He came up so young uh, and was so good so early. And then last year was a definite setback for him. But he's kind of had to deal with the same scenario this year that he did last year in terms of the team performance, where they uh, last year got off to a decent start and then it went south this year again, decent start, and then it kind of went south. Um, Last year, though, he was in isolation. We were all in isolation. And it just, I don't think he adjusted very well to losing a game, going to an empty apartment, and thinking about it all the time. This year, he's got more support staff, more of his support system around, and obviously we're not quite as isolated as we were last year. So uh, when when he loses a game now, he has some people to vent to, and he's handled the setbacks much better. His performance this year has been solid, I would say. Uh, I can't count a lot of games this year. The Flyers have lost because of goaltending, and that includes Martin Jones, who uh, was very good early and hasn't done as well lately. I wouldn't say he struggled. He's had uh, some games where he hasn't been as strong. But, uh, goaltending has not been a problem for the Flyers. It's just not been uh, – it hasn't been. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would say if you took the save percentage numbers they're getting or just the performances and you look into the analytics and some of the expected saves and all that, the goaltending's been there. And if you had at the beginning of the year said that the goaltending would be there, you'd think this team would be in a better spot, but you also wouldn't think they'd be down five centers. So, uh it's it's just one of those things. I do believe he has handled the adversity much better, and he's maturing, and he's you know learning that this is the the toughest league in the world, and things don't go smoothly all the time. Uh, from a technical standpoint, an athletic standpoint, a talent standpoint, he absolutely has the potential to be a top goaltender. Uh, but you obviously have to have a team playing better in front of you in order to be um, at that point. And uh, hopefully, he'll get there at some point. But he has not been the problem. Well, then he's not been the problem for the Flyers. And Jim, you're obviously on Twitter, at Jim J. Philly, by the way, for those that don't know. You've seen a lot of Flyers fans have their profile picture be the guy in the stands with the bag over his head because they're ashamed of being a Flyers fan or something. They're upset with the team. What would you say to the Flyers fans out there who are losing faith in this hockey team and are upset? Well, I mean, who doesn't get upset in a 13-game losing streak? So... (laughs) They deserve to be upset. Um, the bag over the head thing started well before this streak. That happened during the last one, the ten game streak that that uh, ultimately cost Alainvino his job. Uh, and I, again, I think we all tend to watch our social media and react to it as if it's everyone, and it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. From I mean, I'm I'm on social media. I'm by no means a social media expert. But I do think we sometimes forget that a lot of times what you're seeing in social media is a vocal minority, almost like what you hear on talk radio. So we have to understand that while there are many upset fans, and they have every reason to be upset, this team has won, what, five games over its last 28 or 29 games. I mean, there's every reason to be upset. 
But uh, this year has been, in a lot of ways, a complete washout due to the fact of what we talked about earlier. They have not had a chance to even play as a whole unit. So, But when a team loses 13 in a row and has two 10-game winless streaks in the same year and has already changed coaches, you clearly know there's going to be change. And that's what these fans will have to bank on. The change is around the corner. Uh, what kind of change? It'll be interesting. The Claude Drew situation is obviously a big part of it. But that's just one part of it. I mean, if Claude Drew does decide to waive his no move and they make a deal, I mean, it's not going to be a trade that they're going to make that's going to set this franchise in motion to the future. He's a 34-year-old player with an expiring contract. They might be able to get a piece. They might be able to get a, a nice pick. But uh, it's not going to be some trade like Jack Eichel, a player in his prime with contract. You know, they're going to get three first-round picks and two prospects or whatever. You know, it's, just, it's not going to be one of those. So that's just one small piece of it. But for the fans, moving forward, there are good young players on hand. There's also a team that just two years ago, for the most part, the bulk of this team, was a very good club. So it's in there somewhere. They might have to find the right guy to, to drag it out of them, or the Mike Yo's that guy. I don't know because, as I said earlier, I don't think he's even had a chance due to the circumstances, but but uh, they might need a, a guy who's going to be able to get that out of them again. Uh, so it's it's always when a team is playing like this, we overreact. And, and the other way around, when a team goes on a winning streak, we claim they are you know, just at the top of the world. Early in the year, everyone was saying how Edmonton is a Stanley Cup contender, and then I've been seeing stuff over the last couple of weeks that's saying they might not even make the playoffs. Now they've won three in a row. People are saying, hey, they might have a chance again. We, <laughs> we just react and overreact to all these things. And social media has a, a big part of that because it's instantaneous, right? And everyone reacts to everything they see every day. But in reality, sports is much more about big picture. And for the Flyers, I mean, last year, I remember at the end of the year, the big talk was how much do we, how much do we, really look at last season given all the extenuating circumstances the no fans the short season you know just the nature of the year was so strange with with the pandemic and everything how much do you put into that season as far as what changes the Flyers would make well Chuck Fletcher obviously put a lot of stock into last year because he made significant off-season changes and I think the Flyers fans wanted to see significant changes uh, because fans are more reactionary. So they got changes, and changes haven't had the impact they wanted. But again, I'm not sure we even got a chance to look at that. Dallas and all the injuries we talked about. Um, it's it's possible they come back next year with a lineup that's clearly going to make some changes. But uh, you're still going to want to see what Ryan Ellis has. You know, is, is this injury career threatening? Chuck Fletcher said no. Season threatening, yes, but not career threatening. So I would assume we would expect Ryan Ellis back. Uh, at full strength next year, John Katuri the same. And, you know, some of these young players, you may see some of these guys with expiring contracts be moved out to try to get some kind of assets. But, you know, for, for the fans, it's, it's just when you're at your lowest, and certainly a 13-game win is pretty much at your lowest, it, it's going to always look really bleak. And then when you're at winning streak, you're, it's always going to look great. And in reality, it's somewhere in between. It's just not as bad as it is when you're losing and not as good as it is when you're winning. Um, that's just the nature of sports. The small sample size can throw us off sometimes. Um, I think the Flyers will probably have some wins here down the stretch. I don't think they're going to lose every game the rest of the year. <laughs> It'd be nice if they get some players back uh, to, to give Mike Yo at least a legitimate chance to show what he can do with this team. 
And besides that, it's just look, look ahead. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I mean, I've had fan uh, teams I've rooted for my entire life in sports that I stick with, except for when I have to work for another team and <laughs> I have to maybe change. But uh, I'm a firm believer that as a fan, if you root for a team and you abandon them when they go bad, then you're really not a fan because a fan, fan is a fanatic and a fanatic stays with their team. And, and then when you start winning after the low time, well, it's that much more sweeter. I mean, if, if you give up on teams and, and when they're bad, then you're never really going to have that satisfaction, that feeling of winning after the struggle. So this is definitely the struggle for the Flyers. They're about to miss the playoffs in back-to-back years for the first time since before I was even here. And that was 93, in the you know, early 90s. So, um, you know, it, it's a franchise that's used to being in the playoffs at the very least. Haven't had a playoff run since 2010, so there's there's a restlessness that this 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 fan base has. The, the older, the more mature fans, they got accustomed to this team always being a Stanley Cup contender, so they don't have a lot of patience. I understand that, and younger fans haven't been able to experience that real run since 2010, so I can understand their uh, restlessness too. And and uh, you know, it's all about winning. It's a results-oriented business, so they're going to have to win. They're going to have to get on a playoff run pretty soon or they're going to have more discontent in the fan base. That's just, that's just the way it works in sports, and, and everyone in the organization knows that. I'm going to make you feel really old here, by the way, Jim. Uh, you, said you, uh, you said you covered it. You said you started with, with the team in 93. Uh, I was not born until 97, so I just wanted to throw that... <laughs> Yeah, just I had a feeling you were young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I arrived here in 93, and that was the fifth and final year that they were out of the playoffs uh, in succession. It was the second year of Eric Lindros. And um, they then made the playoffs the next year and have not missed in consecutive years since. But they will, it appears, this year uh, end that string. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, will, I will be 25 uh, in two months, but uh, that... <laughs> I was not even around uh, when you started uh, to work with the Flyers. Jim, you're outstanding. I mean, you're always uh, a joy to have on. Love having you on. Look forward to having you back on much sooner. I, I, I'm sure. I promise you I will reach out to yeah, you. In fact, uh, the next time the, the Flyers go on like a six or seven game win streak, I expect to hear from you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, hold, hold, hold me to that. I will reach out to you sooner rather than later. You are at Jim J. Philly on Twitter. If you're not following Jim, I mean, what are you doing? Like, come on, get on that. At, oh, at, don't oversell now. Don't, don't, don't oversell. My, my Twitter is not, I'm not one of these uh, hot take tweet people, but uh, I, I tweet some stuff out regarding games and, you know, usually take some pictures from the booth and things like that. But I, I'm not a, uh, a hot take tweet guy. I don't want you to overpromise here. Don't oversell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to be. You know, here's the thing. I think not everybody needs to follow hot, like hot, hot take people, right? So, like for me, as as somebody that went to school for media and and as I guess a, a media member uh, working with SiriusXM. I really like those pictures that you take. Like I really think they're cool. So so for me. You're a great follow for somebody that is looking well, for hot take radio. You that's know, not overselling. But most <laughs> people who are really good, good uh, Twitter uh, people to follow on Twitter are the hot take people. So I don't want you to to have people you know, follow me and then, well, this guy doesn't give me hot takes because that's not. Uh, I think there's too many hot takes as, as we talked about earlier. I think that's you know we're all into this instantaneous reaction and and, and what's what's interesting about Twitter is 
you know, you can delete your tweets, but it's pretty much permanent because if it's out there and somebody retweets it, it's out there forever. And there's so many people who've made fools of themselves with some of their tweets, you know, because we react. And, you know, if I reacted and I tweeted out everything I thought when I'm watching sports, and I'm a huge, you know, I watched, the, I took, I took a bath in the NFL playoffs last week. I wanted to tweet out about a zillion times some things that were going on. What are the bills doing? Like that. Um, uh, but I don't, and I think it's much better for my my mental health and, and really my reputation. To be honest with you, I don't tweet out <laughs> what comes to my mind right away. But other people do. They as soon as it comes to their mind, they tweet it out. And as you know, a lot of times when you you think something instantaneously, five minutes later, it's silly, right? You think about it, wait, wow, what was I thinking? Uh, unfortunately, when Twitter, you, you tweet it out and it's out there. And so now everybody knows what you were thinking. And a lot of times what we think instantaneously, right on the spot, um, isn't the best because emotions are, are hold of us, right? And they sometimes get us a little bit uh, off kilter. So, uh, yeah, I try to – I did have one tweet ready to go last weekend because the Bills, I mean, seriously, off topic here, but what are you doing in that 13 <laughs> seconds left? <laughs> what they did there? I mean, it was just unbelievable to me. But so, you know, there are things that um, I want to want to tweet sometimes, but I don't. And I'm happy I don't. Uh, I, I think a lot of other people just go ahead and tweet it and who cares. Right. But uh, so sometimes, you know, we, we need to just calm our nerves before we start hitting the keyboard or, or hitting the phone and, you know, and, and hitting whatever we're going to do to send our tweets out. But uh, there are so many and, you know, this uh, you can go back through and. Uh, the Phillies last year were a good example because they'd have a five-game win streak and then they just go into a tailspin. And I, I look at the tweets from from media people too, uh, you know, talking about how great this team was and how they great chance. And then two weeks later, they're just killing them because they're losing. You know, and I'm like, you were just pumping them up. But sports isn't meant to react that quickly, especially baseball, where it's a marathon. You have to size up the the whole picture. We all struggle with that. I do too. Uh, but it's best to do that or you do end up putting foolish things out there on Twitter or, or through other social media. 13 seconds is way too much time for Patty Mahomes. But So you're saying that, that you uh, don't have a burner on off. Twitter. Kick, kick off, kick the ball off. That's but, right. You know, to the, not to the end zone, to the you know, five or 10. And as soon as they, they pick that ball up and run forward with it, they have to run forward because they need the yardage. They can't just, you know, fair, you, know, you can fair catch a kick too and just take the ball where it lands. But if you kick it to the five or ten, then they're too far back. So they have to run it. They're going to take at least four or five seconds off the clock to get it up to the 25 or 30. Now they're down to one play, maybe, maybe two, but probably one. You know, there's almost no chance unless you get a pass interference call that they can get into field goal range. So um, I just don't know what they were thinking there. And then the defense, <laughs> they, they, they were defending the sideline. Well, they had timeouts. So don't defend the sideline. You know, <laughs> you, with, with timeouts, they don't need to get out of bounds. So you saw in the last play, the Kelsey catch, the setup when, when they showed the high angle, they were all guarding the out of bounds. Like they didn't have any timeouts. I, I didn't understand the defense at all. So anyhow. Jim, if you ever Jim, if you ever wanted to do a football podcast, uh, you let me know and I will produce it for you. How about that? <laughs> I don't know if that would be good for my health. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a pretty emotional uh, football fan, but uh, yeah, I, I had picked uh, I had picked the uh, a parlay that and that one that one kind of 
sent me uh, in the wrong direction that game. So uh, I wasn't happy with what the Bills were doing. But uh, that, that's what's going on all across the country, these football games, right? So. Yeah, I mean, that was a classic. I'm not a fan of either team, but watching that game, I was, I, I could not believe what I was seeing for sure. Anyways, I mean, this is, I mean, this could be a football podcast for all we know. Who knows? Uh, but at Jim J Philly on Twitter, uh, confirmed Jim does not have a Twitter burner where he posts all his opinions and hot takes. No. Uh, <laughs> at there might be a couple of my drafts that are interesting that I never made it to the, uh, <laughs> never made it out. I should probably delete those drafts. Somehow they might end up getting out there. <laughs> at Chell Squared and at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew on Twitter, at Chell Squared on Facebook. Give the show that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. As I said in the beginning, the more reviews, the more likely the show is recommended by the algorithm. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney. Thanks for listening. Chell Squared is back, and I'll talk to you again next week.